0: Hello and welcome to another NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me we have Rob Wobberhill. Hello Rob.
1: Hi Luke. Hi guys.
0: And also joining us we have a very happy Joe Pope who uh, in his spare time Joe does a lot of bowling and he's just won the county championship title for his bowling team. There was a uh, no school duggery. We were just asking him then where they getting in his head but apparently they weren't. But Joe with the pressure bowl and he's very happy aren't you Joe? Hello. I am, yeah. It's uh,
2: It makes, uh, makes a slight change for a Torquay fan to be happy on a weekend, but
0: uh, yes, yeah, very happy and uh, nice to be back on. And we've got no Dickie this week. He's having a well-earned break, so we have drafted in for his debut. He's, uh, give him a follow on Twitter. He's got lots of good stats on there, and he's also a long-suffering Boston United fan. It is Christian James. Hello, Christian.
3: Afternoon, yeah. Delighted to be on, and... Uh... Hopefully, the debut goes without too many problems.
0: Is long-suffering a correct description?
3: It's a funny one. I mean, last 18 months, we don't seem to have won many games of football, and yet we were losing playoff finalists in May, and uh, things off the pitch have been going well. So, it's been a strange time for us pilgrims, but um, certainly short-suffering last uh, last few weeks. I'll go with that.
0: Short-suffering, absolutely, Yeah. <laughs> Well, Joe, I'll, I'll start with you because your team, Torquay, played Notts County. Um, Looking at the highlights, although Notts County eventually did win by two goals to one and they had Ruben Rodriguez sent off as well, it looked like Torquay gave a good account of himself.
2: Yeah, I mean, Torquay are improving. Um, It's about time as we've waited enough time this year for us to improve, but um, they did play well, apparently. Um, by all means, not the the best football, but we didn't expect to play that against Notts County, who bowler counts were, as Rob continues to use on the pod, is a, a well-oiled machine. They weren't great themselves, um, but they found a way. We played good, good enough to uh, to make it a battle, but in the end, uh, a penalty from Rodriguez, who later got sent off for a rather dubious sending off, you could say, um, got the three points for Notts County, and yeah, signs of positivity for Torquay, and certainly they have improved of late, but uh, Notts County, they find a way to uh, to win games, and they did again yesterday.
0: And that was a question it was asked to Luke Williams, wasn't it? In the interview, he said it was a battle, and he said indeed it was. Advice had gone, he'd gone all Sean Dyche he, uh, by the end, and, and like you say, really bizarre sending off for Rodriguez, and, and he'll be a big miss, won't he, Rob, for Notts County?
1: Yeah, he will. I mean, if you've noticed in recent weeks on the odd time that Macaulay Langstaff hasn't scored, Rodriguez has, it was a really weird, it wasn't something he had time to think about. He's already on a yellow. He's chasing a ball to the byline and it's going out and he just scoops it back in with his hand, at, probably almost to, to stop the opposition having an obvious opportunity to time waste, you know. Um, I think it's a bit harsh. Um, I don't think he... Uh, I don't think you really deserve to be sent off for that if I'm honest. Um, but uh yeah, Knott's County find a way and and both teams are doing that. I mean, it's almost a slip-up if they draw, isn't it? Knott's County or Wrexham. Um, and in recent weeks, Wrexham have managed to win every game. Knotts County have drawn a couple of times, um, which is just edging Wrexham um, you know, towards being favourites in terms of the league position. I think they're favourites anyway, aren't they? Wrexham. It's it's kind of theirs theirs to lose this season. But not currently making a great fist of it.
0: Yeah, Wrexham were the late kickoff against Alchingham on BT Sport. And it, it was a tight game. Aldingham gave a really good account of themselves. Wrexham, of course, would probably have one eye on the FA Cup replay that's coming up on Tuesday when they take on Sheffield United after that dramatic three-three draw last week. Holly Palmer opened the scoring on the hour, but then Miles Welch Hayes who's on loan from Harrogate with a lovely driven drive into the corner. And it looked like that it may well be honours even, but then the debutant, Owen O'Connell, who they signed from Charlton this week, he bagged the winner and a hard fought again, Rob, a battle, wasn't it? A hard fought win for Wrexham in the Phil Parkinson Derby.
1: Phil Parkinson Derby, yeah. I think I put a note in the WhatsApp group, didn't I? Literally 81, 82 minutes in, after Alteringham had equalised and I said, a true championship uh, contending team will still find a way to win this. And I think I barely put it in the group before they'd scored again. Wrexham. Um, it's just almost, uh, it's a mentality thing, isn't it? You've got to push and and, and go and get that winner. For Alteringham, um, again, they come out of the performance with a lot of credibility. I just can't, I must work this out one week, but I just cannot believe the amount of players that the Altrincham, Phil Parkinson's going through this season. Admittedly, some of them he's apt to replace because he's lost players, but it's just phenomenal. There's over 50 players in and out the door. Um, and I need to work it out because I need to know whether them or Oldham have done had the most players this season. It's, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, I think, Oldham had, I the think... Most
0: con- Oldham had the most contracted players, I think, whereas Altrincham have just probably got, had the most maybe higher turnover.
1: Yeah, probably. And um, I've got to nick this stat from Adam Summerton, but it was a great line on, on the commentary. And if you heard towards the end of the game yesterday, he said that the six highest scorers at Altrincham have all now left the club. Obviously, Chris Conklerk has gone back to Fleetwood. Denanga uh, is the latest to, to move on, isn't he? Uh, Cole Clough went to Chesterfield a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, what a staggering stat is. I, I bet that one's never happened before. I mean, we're not talking about the six top scorers going at the end of the season. We're talking about being just over halfway through it and they've gone.
0: Yeah, Toby Malarkey went to Rochdale this week. They have replaced him with uh, Regan Linney from FC United, who's been uh, on a remarkable scoring run this week as well. Um, Wrexham have two games in hand as well, and they're only three points behind Notts County, so as you say Rob they probably have to be favourites, don't they?
1: Yeah, slight favourites uh, and, and I'm in agreement with, um, I think it was Adam Virgo who was quoted, it might have been Aaron McLean, but it, I'm in agreement with the fact that starting 11 and just shade Notts County best starting 11 um, but Wrexham have undoubtedly got the um, the greatest squad I think in depth and and that's probably what's going to be called upon uh, most in these uh, remaining months of the season.
0: The teams in third and fourth, Woken and Chesterfield, both slips up 1-0. Chesterfield lost 1-0 away at Boreham It was Woken who lost 1-0 at Eastley. Rob, both sides will feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity that, won't they? Although Woken will be happier that they're still in third.
1: Yeah, I mean, all those four teams are in the top ten, aren't they? Uh, and it was uh, Eastley and Wealdstone that closed the gap a little bit to those other teams uh, yesterday. Um, I'm scratching my head a bit with Eastley. I don't want to discredit them in any way whatsoever because any team after um, you know 28, 29 games, that's in the in the top eight, top nine, are there on merit. Um, I just think they're really, really effective. And 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 if I'm going to be really stand up and be counted. Why I'm also surprised is I don't see individuals in their team that are outstanding. Um, it must be the sum of the parts, and it must be some credit due to Lee Bradbury, who's not a manager I've particularly rated in the past, but he's getting the job done. And uh, I don't know what's what's your take on Easley, Joe? Um sat ninth. You know, they've beaten a very good woke inside there yesterday 1-0, and Darren Sale said his his form again against is rotten. He just can't buy a win against.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it takes a, a good team to beat Woking. Um, and I think, obviously, East DR, I think, are a good team. And they'll be in and around the playoffs come the end. It's whether they have that consistency um, to make the top seven. Um, you know, it was on their day. They are capable of a result like yesterday. Um, I've been impressed with Lee Bradbury. I think they still need that, that something extra to, you know, take it to the next level because... Their, their home form and their away form is very indifferent. Um, You know, their away form is very good. I think although they have some very good, good technicians, um, they are a bit of a nutritional team, Easily, You know, they slow the clock down um, and they work, you know, they work it, whereas at home they haven't been as good. So the fact that they won yesterday will be a, a positive for, for Lee Bradbury. But I think they'll be in and around it, looking at that sixth or seventh spot. And, um, you know, if they can do what they did yesterday, there's no reason why they can't. And that's really key,
1: what you just mentioned, that sixth and seventh spot, because there's 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 three divisions within the top seven now. You've got Notts County and Wrexham, effectively, in the title race. You've then got Woking, Chesterfield and Barnet, who are very solidly in there, and they're really going to take some shifting. You know, for, either, for any of those three not to make the playoffs, they're going to have to have a really big drop-off in form. And then from sixth place down, and we've got to cover a couple of those teams still, obviously, we'll come to them in a minute. Um, But there's just kind of four or five points between the next eight or nine teams. And uh, and, and those are the teams that are all competing for sixth and seventh. And long may that continue. You know, we want this to run and run to the end of the season. We want the title race to run. Um, And then obviously, Woking, Chesterfield and Barnett, you could argue are in a battle to get that third spot and that one home tie um you know to go through to the final at, uh, uh, back at Wembley this. year.
0: Do you think can we rule Wolken and Chesterfield out of the title race and do you think it's a two horse race and they're battling for like that home tie? In my opinion yes for the simple reason that there's no way both of Notts County
1: and Wrexham are going to fall away. One of them might stumble a bit they might end up with too many draws and not enough wins to get the title but they're not Going to come back to the likes of Woking and Chesterfield and Barnet, um, not with 20 games left. In my opinion, Joe, what's yours?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it is between two, and I actually think I was going to make this point on Twitter in the week, but I didn't get round to it. I actually think Woking will be would be better finishing outside the top three, because I think for the way that Woking play, you know, they keep it quite close. They like to, you know, frustrate teams and run the clock down and make it difficult for teams. I think that's actually better suited for them playing away. So I think if they are going to get through the playoffs, I think they'd be better finishing sort of fourth or fifth, where they can then go away to teams like Chesterfield, like Notts County, and keep it close and for straight teams.
1: There's a problem with that, though, Joe. They'd have to do it twice, wouldn't they? Because if they they get the one home game, they've only got to win one game to get to Wembley. But, you know, I, I, I get your point. I take your point. But they'd have to be very good at it, and they'd have to go away to a team like Chesterfield or Barnet, um, and uh, and win, or or, or well, who else? Who knows? Who else? We can't predict the other teams because it's just too difficult.
0: <laughs> Christian, as it's your debut, we we don't make it easy for you. So go on. Where's your money then? Uh,
3: National League. I think um, presuming Wrexham get knocked out of the cup, Sheffield United, which is a bit of a heavy presumption. Um, You'd have thought then, league to focus on, they'll they'll pull through, and those games and hands will tell the difference. But you just wonder—it's the old question about um, cup distractions and the league. So, in a strange way, I kind of think that the longer Wrexham stay in the FA Cup, the better chance Notts County might have. But no, my money would be on Wrexham for sure.
0: Synchronized, Rob, uh, synchronized nodding from Rob and Joe there, which is uh, which was good to see on that point. Just a quick note on um, Boreham Wood, Rob. Um, they're back in the playoffs. They were mid-table, but they've had a uh, a decent couple of weeks, haven't
1: they? Yeah, I, I mean, literally decent—seven days, eight days, really. Three wins, all without conceding a goal. Um, terrific couple of uh, couple of away wins, and then they really followed it up with a terrific result against uh, Chesterfield. Luke Garrard, very honest in his appraisal at the end. It was it got draw written all over it, really. But uh, just one moment, and Josh Rees, who's not always been first pick for Borenwood this year, he came off the bench again. On Saturday, But he followed up. He was in the right place at the right time and uh, stroked home from, from a few yards out um, to give them all three points and, uh, and probably put the final nail in that title bid for, for Chesterfield. Um, as for Boreham Wood, yeah, it takes them up to sixth. Um, and, uh, you know, we've actually tried very hard to get representation on from Boreham Wood this weekend on the pod. But, so uh, you know, all the usual suspects, uh, in fairness to them, were a little bit busy when recording this afternoon. Um, but we will get Luke Goward <coughs> or Josh Reese on, or maybe Will Evans again soon to, to to let us know just how and why they've 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 sort of kicked back into the business as usual at Boreham Wood again.
0: Barnet are in fifth. They played on Friday night away at Scunthorpe United. It was a a resurgence. Scunthorpe United off the field. There's a lot of goodwill there. I know, Kristin, you were at that game. How was it?
3: Um, I was, yeah, a great turnout. Um, for Scunthorpe, I think it was five thousand one hundred and a few, um, hundred or so from Barnet, which was a real top effort. But um, I think the class told really. Um, Barnet know what they're doing; they're picking up, uh, regular points, and yeah, went ahead with a bit of a strange goal. Um, free kick right on the byline, flew all the way in from uh, Dale Gorman, and after the break, um, he put them two in front. Um, Scunthorpe got one back. And you kind of thought, you know, big crowd, um, fantastic mood with the new chairman coming in, etc. Might this be a big sort of turnaround moment and Scunthorpe go marching on? And then four minutes later, um, Moyo restores the two-goal lead and that was it really. But um, the mood at Scunthorpe was quite something. Um, I think a lot of fans strangely seem resigned to relegation and yet more than happy they'll have a club to support next year. So it was... Uh, not gallows humour, but um, I think a realism that some things are maybe more important than just the one season. Uh,
0: Christian, I was going to say as well about um, Jimmy Dean. It was his first game in charge. We touched on it briefly last week. It had not been confirmed, though. He left Peterborough Sports to go and join. Scondorpies took uh, a few players with him, including uh, the assembly Ferris. And... Um, there was a lot of sort of ire on Radio Humberside afterwards, wasn't there, about um, it was all ball. they played good football up until then. You've obviously, up Sports is a team that you've seen uh, this season with Boston. First of all, what do you make of the appointment? What did you make of the style of play? Do you think he'll be a success there?
3: Um, I think the style of play questions, it's, it's always a means to an end, isn't it? I know um, we'll get on to Boston later, but um, certainly Boston fans have said we'd rather play football that wins games than looks too pretty at the minute and I'm sure Scunthorpe would rather stay up perhaps playing longer stuff than uh, pass their way to relegation. Um, for Jimmy Dean, I think it's a good move at a good time. He's obviously come on a long way with Peterborough Sports. The journey they've had has been quite something um, but with uh, the chairman looking for new investment, he maybe feels he's sort of uh, leaving that one as, as high as it's going to go. Um, And as for Sembly Ferris, I mean, with my Boston hat on, delighted we're not going to have to face him again. Um, A real prospect, frightening pace. Certainly at our level, he was always going to be a concern for defenders. And yeah, I think he very much deserves his chance, like his manager at the next level. Is he the one you know, Joe, Semby Ferris?
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually did a piece um, which I had planned to come out at midday on the day when Scunthorpe announced all their signings. Um, and because they said that they were going to do a signing every every hour on the hour from nine o'clock onwards, I actually released it at half eight on the day. Uh, and the only signing prediction that I did actually get correct was Dion Sembi ferris uh, from Peterborough Sports to Scunthorpe. Um, you know, a player that's done really well. Christian will obviously know um, how well he's been playing for Peterborough Sports. And I think he's a fantastic signer for Scunthorpe, especially if they do go down, which... I would probably still be inclined to say they will. Um, I think it'll be a brilliant signing next year for them.
1: And for Jimmy Dean, if they do go down, of course he's been managing in the National League North this year, so his experience will be useful next season if they do go down. Just a final point on that game for me. I don't know if uh, he caught your eye in particular, Christian, but I just want to see how well, to say how well Idris Kanu has uh, matured as a player. Of course, I've seen him at the age of 16, playing for, for Aldershot. And here he is now, what, 24, 25? Um, he's had a bit of time at Peterborough. It didn't really work out for him. What a lovely player he is to watch. He's so easy on the eye. He's so two-footed. He can literally, um, you know, change in any direction. He's got the beating of a player's. He can draw fouls. Um, and, uh, you know, he's actually added a few goals to his name this year. He's never been prolific yet. One of the things that's held him back, but um, yeah, he was. I only saw the second half of that
3: game, but he was outstanding. Idris Khan. He was, yeah, he was fantastic. And um, he was the one real sort of eye-catching um, attacking threat for Barnet. Like I said, it was it was workmanlike, and yet they scored three goals away from home. So I'm sure, they'd be more than happy with it. But now he was the real sort of bit of extra in the performance, and yeah, they thoroughly deserved the result they got.
0: In the last playoff place, it is End. They beat York City by two goals to nil. Really good win for Southend. After, they've been on a bit of a sticky patch over the last few weeks, but it was uh, two goals from Jack Bridge, one from the penalty spot, and then one kind of a, a cross, which maybe didn't mean to go in, but it did go in, and uh, much relief for Southend, especially with all the, uh, the uncertainty off the field at the minute.
1: Yeah, we keep threatening to get Chris Phillips on, don't we? Uh, we must get our, our act together with him um, to, to get his take on things. But, yeah, they do. They, I mean, they've they got the best goal difference of the four teams then that sit there on 41 points, Southend United. But it was another result um, against all that's going on there for them. I mean, there's serious, serious concerns about the future of that, that football club. But on the pitch, they're still very focused and, and getting the job done. As for York, well, we'll focus on the other end in a bit, but for a team that was brushing the bottom end of the playoffs a couple of months ago, um, they are dropping <clears throat> down that table almost as quickly as Dorkin, aren't they? And and and, and those two teams, we'll come on to Dorkin in a minute, but those two teams threaten to be that mid-table or one of those, the mid-table team that drops into the relegation zone from an, a, a position of apparent safety.
0: I did say though when I saw them against Oldham, I said I'd be more worried about York than I was about Oldham. Um, just because of the discontent off the field. Um, do you know that they're not a fan of the manager, or the chairman, and sometimes that can obviously it's it's going okay with Southend, but in terms of on the field, but that can affect performances on the field as well, especially if you're in a, a bad run like York are at the minute.
1: Yeah, but it was there was a few grumpy people around Roots oh, the yesterday, Southend against York. <laughs> um, but yeah, football on the pitch and off it, very different, but intrinsically connected.
0: It finished a draw between Bromley and Maidenhead. It was a goal from Emile Aqua in the 57th minute, which put Maidenhead ahead. But then six minutes from time, it was an equaliser from Louis Dennis and Bromley. Just, they're just kissing those playoffs, aren't they, at the minute? They're not quite in them.
1: Yeah, they're there or thereabouts, but... I don't have the stats to back this up, but it does seem to me that when they have a bad day Bromley, they seem to find a way and nick a draw or something. Do you know what I mean? They they keep adding to their points tally, which is what keeps them up there. As for Dev and Maidenhead, we've just got to keep doffing your cap, haven't you? They're, they're constantly sitting around 15th, 16th, 17th. And just occasionally they'll slip a little bit nearer to the relegation positions and then bang, bang, back to back wins. Thank you very much. We're safe again. Um, but they won't underestimate a point at uh, at Bromley on Saturday, that's for sure.
0: So, all the shot against Darkin this weekend. We'll get on to the match in a minute, but I know with all the football reforms that are being talked about, there was only one man we could ask on this issue, couldn't we Robin? It was Darkin's Mark White. I know you caught up with him during the week, didn't you? Yeah, caught up with him on,
1: on Friday morning. It was a little bit of a look ahead to the game and And also I wanted to get his thoughts on the uh, breaking news about them becoming an independent football regulator soon. Here's my chat with Mark White. Mark, you're sort of over halfway through your first season now at the National League. And one of the things that frustrates me with Aldershot having been in this league 12 years is I'm going to the same grounds every single week. Uh, But not Mark White and Dorking. You've been doing a bit of sightseeing, haven't you? I mean, what's it like going to a new ground almost every other week?
4: Yeah, it's fantastic, really. I think if we'd have been stuck in divisions for, you know, years on end, I'm not sure I would have been doing it as long as I have, to be fair. I think what keeps it um, enthusiastic for me is is going to different grounds. And this year, you know, it's been better than ever. The grounds we visited, just iconic grounds of Boundary Park and, you know, Scunthorpe and Chesterfield and, you know, and, and now obviously... Going to Aldershot, a ground that I've visited a few times. Um, you know, we'd be in the in the park leagues, maybe division three or four of, of the park league, and I began to watch Aldershot, and who um, would be a, you know, like I said, a conference team for many years, and yeah, it's great to be at these venues, and you know, I think we now we are now at the point where with the sightseeing, it's now becoming um, a bit more business business uh, down to business. But, um, but, yeah, we're, we're still
1: enjoying it. I don't know if anyone's asked you this question yet. It feels like an obvious one. But if I sat here and I said, Mark, I've got two pots of gold here. One of them is three points on Saturday against Aldershot. And the other one is progression in the FA Trophy the following week. But you can only have one. What are you going to take? I'd
4: have the FA Trophy. Because there's God knows how many league games left. You know we're we're uh, we're confident of uh, there's a lot of football to be played. So I know that we all get drawn into the league tables, and that's the beauty of football, isn't it? It's um, it does that to you. But but know that you know our club's all about generating first, really. And if we could get two games from Wembley, uh, I think we'd pack the place out. To be fair, if we ever got there. It'd be phenomenal with such a small club. So I think I'd take um, I'll
1: take that. Brilliant. I love that answer. Especially because every other manager in the history of football has said we're only thinking about Saturday in the league over three points. Um Yeah. you um you've got some big players on their way back from injury, Briggs and um Taylor for a couple. You've you've you signed Aaron Coole, who's won a little bit for later on in the season or next season, isn't he, with his injury? So, you're gradually piecing together a team that that you feel can be competitive, really competitive at this level?
4: Yeah, I mean, to your point, we've signed George Franken. And um, he is. Whenever we build, I think what we have done really well over the years is know how to team build. But we were unable to team build. We got promoted in June. We had absolutely zero opportunity to assess and adjust and build the team. Frankham, the first of what will probably be a few signings that is probably the league above. Um, and yeah, when you couple that with the likes of Josh Taylor, Matt Briggs um, coming back to fitness, it does make us a, a different proposition. Uh, maybe not immediately, but certainly once those boys come back and George becomes acclimatised with how we plan what we do. So, And um, we're really excited about that.
1: Yeah, well, Mark knows uh, I, I've wished him and Dorkin really well after the next two Saturdays, honestly. I want to see him flying up that league again. Final question for you, Mark. Um, the There's been some news, some breaking news, um, that uh, in football, in English football top five divisions, it's very likely that shortly there's going to be an independent regulator, uh, something that football hasn't had before. Um, how do you kind of view that news? What's your take on it? Well, I think
4: I think it's quite a wide, broad subject. I think if I look at the headline points um, of what's being proposed, which is a, a much sterner, fit and proper uh, test for owners to prevent iconic football clubs going out of business, I think that unilaterally everybody thinks, well, that, that'll definitely be the best thing that's being promoted. Um, supporters having um, a say in um, anything of significance within, uh, within the sort of brand and IP of their local club is great but I think it's all tinged for me with needing to know more information you know independence is great but who chooses the independence who pays for the independence um, and is the independence, you know, whilst it can take a macro view,
2: is independence, has
4: independence got the uh, intrinsic, if you like, thought processes and experience um, to make the right decisions? Mm. So you're a little bit damned if you do damned if you don't. I think what's happened today has been that the FA, who are not a great body, that's widely known, the FA... Have um, you know been called out really by the government for their uh, their governance if you like of the national game? But of course, the FA does loads of things really well, and they do make lots of good decisions. Um, so you, I kind of think it's really well. What is that sea change? What does independence own? What does the FA own? Is the independence just a verification? process of everything else the FA is doing how much decision making does the independent body get I think there's a lot of information that we need to know and uh, we should be reserved really un- until we get more
0: and that was Mark White strong opinions as ever another player that you know well and has had a foot in both camps is uh, Adam Meckie and I know you had a good chat with him as well
1: yeah we, uh, we caught up prior to the game Adam joined me for the commentary actually it was really good to see him again uh and, and and we had great fun doing the commentary um on the day um, but uh, a couple of big events in his life over the last 12 months and i wanted to catch up with him about that again before the game you've been a busy man haven't you uh, i think you mentioned you're 11 month yes. old uh, and yep. you've not, all, not just been knocking out babies, you've been knocking out degrees as well. Tell us more about that.
5: Yeah, just, um, you, know, like, you know, life before you know it. You, you know, you're 21, sort of making your debut, and then you blink and you're sort of 31 with, uh, yeah, 11-month-old and, and preparing for life after football, really. And that was, that was the main thing, I think, a um, couple of years. I think it was COVID, actually, that actually really triggered it to be like when there was no football, um, to go, well, if, if the worst was to the and football, was to end for whatever reason what are you going to do? Um, And that was just the trigger and the spur on to uh, to go get myself prepared and and at least get my uh, foot in the door somewhere. So the degree was hopefully going to open doors and not close doors. In terms of practical experience that you had
1: to get, um, you're obviously going to get some today commentating on the game with with me. I know you'd rather be out there, but uh,
5: uh, what sort of involvements have you had as part of the degree? So, yeah, so there was a lot. The second year predominantly was... was, a lot of work experience so in the in the journalism industry so it was a uh, work did a bit with a non-league paper and and um, did commentary for BBC Radio Kent so I was at absolutely at the time so um, last year was a lot of uh, I had a three-month injury which again always sort of leads to some media duties so yeah so it was gave me an opportunity and a platform to uh, commentate on the on the home games and a couple of away games as well from from last season so um, hopefully it puts me in good stead for today. And just looking
1: at the league as a whole, you've, you've been in and around it for a long time, but um, it gets ever more competitive and there's ever more money flying around as well.
5: It's, yeah, it's a strange league because, you know, we, we, we say it a lot and anyone can beat anyone, but then you've started now seeing the money creep in, you know especially uh, the likes of obviously you know Rex in the size of the club with chesterfield and lots county you know arguably it's it's uh, it's be competitive in league two so um i mean it's a it's a great league to, to be involved in and um the publicity and, and, the, and the spotlight that's on the league is it can only do no harm really and um Wanderers wonders is a remarkable story isn't it and i know it's been a bit of a
1: stop start season for yourself with injury and sort of in and out of the squad but um,
5: when you look and you understand non-league football in circles it's quite a remarkable story isn't it? 100% and I think um, you know with credit where credit's due Mark and, and what he's done over the 21 years or however long it's been since he set up the club it's just um, it's a remarkable story and, and, and one that's been sort of highlighted a lot with, with Dorking being um, getting promoted last season and being in the National League this season um, and I think it's uh, yeah, testament to, to Mark and, and what the club have done and where they've come from. And I think it, it just shows that, um, you know, what what can be achieved coming from sort of grassroots football up until, you know, National League level.
1: And just finally, I know it's another player in the door and another person for you to get
5: past in terms of selection, but what does Jason Pryor mean to Dorking Wanderers? T- to be honest, I, I didn't realise how, how sort of, special he was to the club and what he'd achieved and um, I think everyone was all the fans were very disappointed to see him go and what you know whatever was the reason behind that but he's back now and, and you could see just from the comments on Twitter let alone anything else I think even prior to him signing back excuse the pun um, he uh, he was always getting mentions even you know when he was playing at Haven't so I think definitely it's been a, a real boost for the club.
0: Well, you say it was great fun, Rob. I'm sure it wasn't much fun for him having his foot in the dark in camp, but a really good win that for Aldershot. Yeah, I think it's
1: genuine frustration with Adam that he, you know, he wasn't able to be involved. He's fit and well, and Dorkin obviously have a big squad, and um, you know they they've consistently been struggling of late. So at some point or other, will Mark White turn to him again? We'll have to wait and see. Um, on the day, um, I think uh, Aldershot were pretty comfortable. Um, they got uh, a goal in each half um, Justin Amaluza following up an Ine shot shot um, finally tucked one away it's his first goal in two and a half, three months I think Amaluza, he's been on seven goals and wearing the number seven shirt and I've lost count of how many times I've said that over the last two or three months but he smashed that one home with Glee at the East Bank end and Ryan Glover wrapped things up with a, a down down downward header uh, busting a gut to get on the end of a Joe Partington cross late on. I think Mark himself said after the game Aldershot never really had to get out of second gear and that was greatly to his frustration. Um, looking at the team sheet for talking it was the healthiest looking starting 11 for a little while. That's because they bought in uh, the guy from Crawley, whose name's going to escape me now. Help me Francom. George Frankham. George, George George Frankham. He didn't play in the back three. He played as a holding midfielder. And of course, they announced on the morning the return of JP9, reincarnated as JP19, Jason Pryor, um, who's been down at Haven. Um, but it just didn't quite really click for Dorking on the day. Um, and Aldershot were pretty good, pretty solid. Uh, and they got a much needed home win. Believe it or not, Aldershot's first home league win since September when they beat South End. I think they're away form. Um, and obviously a couple of FA Trophy wins at home kind of mask that run. Um, But yeah, it's another three points for Ross McNeely. Um, Aldershot have now had 11 wins this season, which matches how many they got in the whole of last season. Uh, And yeah, you'll have to forgive me being a little bit giddy. I know we've played more games than anyone else in the league, but I looked at the table last night and I've checked it again this morning. And Aldershot Town are in 12th place in the National League. Four points off the playoffs.
2: Obviously it's uh, I, I'm not surprised I would have shot one but they're in good form. Um the Rob Ball Derby, as I say, I said to uh, I said to Luke, <laughs> the uh, the Rob Royal Derby. But um, yeah, for Dorkin obviously two players. I, I'm I'm impressed by the signing of Frankham, someone you know, someone that's experienced in the football league, you know, to to pick up someone like that at this stage of the season, you know, in the situation they're in, is a really good pick up? Um, I've had my thoughts internally on the WhatsApp on Jason Pryor, but um, yeah, you know, for Dorking, I think Mark White is quite bullish about the fact that they won't go down, Um, quite confident in that, and it remains to be seen. I know Rob doesn't think they will, Um, but, you know, if there's two teams dropping like a stone that will be in and around it, I think it is York and Dorking. Um, But, you know, I, I, I think... Funny enough, it's the only two sides in the whole division that Torquay United have scored three goals or more against at home, Dorking and Aldershot, So uh, get that little uh, feather in the cap there. But um, yeah, Oldershot quietly going about their business under Ross McNeely. I've been quite impressed actually. And since they got that defeat to Torquay, he's um, he's rebuilt them well. Aldershot, um, Ross McNeely. Busy. I know he came in for a bit of... Uh, questioning after that defeat to Torquay but since then they've pretty much been as you'd expect and pretty good four points off the playoff as Rob says and who's to say that they couldn't perhaps get that seventh spot yeah I don't think they will I think
1: this is probably as high as they'll get but I think you've got a great chance of finishing maybe 13th, 14th, 15th now Uh, they're much improved just coming back to Dorkin final word on their Mark's not really bullish he's not saying oh there's no way we'll go down he he recognizes that they are in a relegation battle now he's got no qualms about that and he did say and i said to him have you been involved it's been such an upward trajectory have you ever had a difficult season you know uh, a relegation scrap and he said yeah we did have one and i forget what league it was he said they had it in and he said this one is smelling a little bit like that one so you know that was the biggest admission yet that he acknowledges, and he'd be a fool not to acknowledge, wouldn't he, that, that they can't continue with this form. Um, and the 30 points, I think he said maybe it was early December, first or second week of December, they had 30 points. We're now in February and they've still got 30 points.
2: The thing I would add on that is a uh, big game coming up on the 21st of February, uh, Dorking at home to Torquay. I know, Rob, you said that if there's anyone in the bottom four that you think could get out of trouble, then it's Torquay. <coughs> massive home game for Dorking. Um, but assuming that both teams haven't picked up a point in that time, then Torquay have the chance to go only one point behind Dorking uh, if they can win at Dorking. So, massive game in that one. Huge. And I think
1: another thing that, that, that um, not this isn't specific to Torquay, but another thing that Mark acknowledged yesterday in the post-match is that by the time Dorking Wanderers play again in a couple of weeks, they could be in the bottom four. Um, you're right. I picked Torquay as the one team out of the four that might make a real fist of it. But there's another team, isn't the chaps, who are making a fantastic fist of it right now. They're still in the bottom four just. But Gates said, we take our hat off to you. Um, two magnificent wins in the week uh, or in the week and on Saturday
0: Yeah, and they won away at Solihull Moors are in terrible form at the minute, looking at Solihull Moors' Twitter, there's a lot of anger towards the board and and the manager but Gateshead who signed Marcus and Anger in the week, as, my, as Rob mentioned, he was at Altrincham they signed him for an undisclosed fee they won 2-0 at Solihull Moors, Dan Ward with the opener on at 39 minutes and then Will Harrison stoppage time, adding a second. And, and as you mentioned, they're now level on points with Oldham. We lost 1-0 at home to Halifax. A bit of breathing space for Chris Millington and Halifax. That shot them up the table. Emmanuel Disaruve with a goal from, well, I was going to say from the penalty spot. His penalty was actually saved and he put the follow-up in. That was after Mike Fonda had been sent off in the 53rd minute and both of those teams are two points behind Darking with games in hand. So as you say, it's uh Mart White will be nervously looking at the other results. But just touching on Solihull, Rob, I mean, it's kind of dropping like a stone, aren't they? Probably not enough to be worried about obviously looking over the shoulders in terms of the bottom four. But they were in the playoffs about two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Um right now they've they've dropped to five. They're only five points off the playoffs now. Um, but um, it is worrying times. Sometimes, uh, you know, there can be a state different stages to a run of poor form. And initially, the performances can be fine, but you're just not getting that little bit of luck. Um, and that was definitely what was happening, you know, in the two-one home defeat against Aldershot. They played really, really well. Soling, although we're knocking it around, the rotations, the the, the transitions were superb. But um, but you know, they just didn't get the ball in the net. And 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 then there's been other games where they've Flat to deceive, but um, yeah, it's been a horrible run for him, really. Um, and uh, well, I don't know. We'll have to get Neil Arley on and ask him what the problem is.
0: I don't think that would be the best time. <laughs> <would> it?
1: <laughs> it... I don't suppose he'd come on for that, would he? But um, no, maybe we get maybe we get some feedback from Solihull Moors fans. I mean, you said that there's a bit of quiet, disquiet, and discontent. What are they saying?
0: More about this some of the fans saying the board needs to back him more and, and help him get new signings. in. some are saying that he's kind of, they're trying to play out from the back too much. And in a way he's kind of tactically maybe being found out now a little bit. So it's interesting. It's a, a big few weeks for them. You think, I mean, I was looking at Twitter to see if there's any sort of movement at all, because it's a sort of thing where he could be under pressure now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I obviously they lost yesterday, but I think now that they've signed Mark Beck, who's obviously a big target man, perhaps they can perhaps less play less out from the back and go a little bit more direct. Um, I think that could be an option. Um, I think to say that they've not backed him in the window or uh, so not in the window, because there's no window. But I think to not back him, I'm not so sure about that. I know. You know, I know Neil Lardley last year made this point of saying that, oh, Saliham was of this tiny side. They haven't got a big budget. They have got a good budget um, and they have backed him well. You know, he's you don't bring in players like David Davis that's played three, four hundred games in the football league and, you know, bring in all the players they have. And, you know, you look at their team, their squad on paper. Ninety nine percent of the teams in this league would take that, you know, so you can't say they haven't backed him. Ultimately, they're not playing well and they're not finding, you know, their form. Um, So disappointing for Solihull. Um, You know, they have signed a lot of good players recently. um, And it will be a concern for Neil Lardley that it looks like as a couple of teams like Rob's, uh, you know, older shot, like they continue to get a bit of form, it looks like Solihull are losing it.
0: For the final two games in the National League, then a point which won't do either side much good Joe, between Yovel and Maidstone. It was Jerome and williams injury time equaliser which gave Maidstone their first points under George Ellacobie.
2: Yeah, it certainly won't do Yeovil any good. Um, you know, for them to lose uh, yesterday, then uh, it wasn't good. I, I thought the uh, the video printer had got it wrong when I saw that Alex Fisher had scored two, and uh, I was right in that one of them wasn't for Alex Fisher. But, um, yeah, obviously a good, you know, when they're dying seconds and they were behind, it was perhaps a good point for Maidstone. The fact that they did actually manage to come back and get a draw uh, on the road, I suppose it's better than nothing. Um, Shamar Lawson, that's... Um, extended his deal in the week with Maidstone, got the opener for Maidstone um, before Jerome on williams scored the equaliser in the final minute. So not an ideal point for Yeovil. Um, and I I hear on the grapevine that apparently their prospective new owner uh, was in the stands yesterday at Yeovil. Um, the truth of that, I'm not sure, um, but apparently their new owner was in attendance um but for for Maidstone,
0: stone uh, a valuable point on the road yeah and wheelstone they beat dagenham and redbridge by a goal to nil ashley charles a grenadian international scored on five minutes and then it looked like it was all backs to the wall for wheelstone good goalkeeping poor finishing from dagenham and redbridge a bit of luck as well but it is the stones who took all three points in that one let's move on to the, the national league north and in the national League north at the top Adam Murray will be smiling at Brightest, will with a The Fylde manager, they won 3-1 against Curzon and Ashton and the teams below him, Kingsland and Brackley, slipped up. Uh, rather surprising defeats for both of those teams as well.
3: Um, yeah, for sure. Starting with Fylde, I think um, the job Adam Murray's done there has been brilliant on this long and beaten run. Um, he was Boston manager last time he was at this level. Um, very different, but I think we all could see that... Um, Maybe the methods he was trying to bring in just didn't suit a semi-professional team. Um, so I'm not too surprised he's gone to filed and done well. But um, yeah, Nick Corton on the score sheet again uh, with Mark Beck and Matt McClure out of the division. He's probably your favourite now to be top goalscorer. Uh, Curzon pulled one back uh, just before the break, but then Mo Fahl uh, re-established Fylde a half-time lead and it was him that made it 3-1 after the break. So it sounds as though it was nice and comfortable uh, up at Mill Farm. And then... Beneath that, a bit surprising. Um, another former Boston manager having an impact, um, being Craig Elliott at Buxton. His side went ahead in the first half, and then two red cards in three minutes for Kings Lynn seems to have uh, certainly scuppered their chances of getting anything out of that game. And um, yeah, and then surprise with um, with Brackley as well, falling to defeat at uh, Peterborough Sports. Um, strange story that one with. Um, The money, as we said, uh, with Jimmy Dean going to Scunthorpe, um, looks like the money's maybe drying up a little bit there or they're certainly looking for some more. Um, Two goals after half-time, Sano Sani and then Boston Loney, Jordan Crawford um, on the score sheet, which didn't go down too well with Pilgrims fans. He's on loan there and put a tweet out yesterday about fresh starts and being back on the grass after a few weeks. So a few rumours about what's happened with him at Boston. Um, nothing that the player or the club have really confirmed, but he's obviously taken to his fresh start. And another one with a Boston connection and impact at the top of the league.
2: The thing I'd I'd mention there, um, to add to to your bit there, Christian was, um, Kings Lynn obviously one nil defeat, but uh, in my opinion, the best midfield duo in the entire division in, in Michael Clunan and Josh Barrett, both sent off yesterday, both second yellows. Uh, both sent off uh, in defeat to Bucks and obviously um, a good start for uh, Peterborough sort of after Jimmy Dean um, in beating Brackley. Um, obviously, we will come on to uh, talk about them later uh, in this sort of roundup. up but um, where do you see Peterborough sports going now, Christian? Obviously, they've lost Jimmy Dean. I know Michael Gash has been put in sort of charge until the end of the season do you think it's going to be a case of they go out and get an experienced manager or is it going to be a case of they entrust a a younger manager someone like Michael Gash to perhaps manage it on a lower budget
3: I think um the Gash option would certainly maybe be slightly cheaper than getting in someone experienced and I think if it goes well for them and which I do think it will actually then I think that would be the wise way forward um Undoubtedly, on the attendances they're on and you know the stature of the club, um, they're massively overperforming. And I think getting a young manager uh, maybe aligns with that, someone that can relate to the players. They've got a good, um, a good squad dynamic there. And um, yeah, I just wonder if sticking with someone that feels as though they've got a bit to prove as a manager might align quite nicely with a club that's definitely punching above their weight.
0: It was Darlington who made up into third. They beat Dickey's Telford by three goals to one. Uh, Telford lost Harry Flowers early on to a red card after just 16 minutes. It was a straight red card there. Then a really good half volley from Montel Gibson had the Bucks ahead on 24 minutes. But then it was a Jacob Hazel show. He equalised on 39 minutes before adding two more in the last six minutes to complete his hat-trick. And, and Darlington, just as he seemed to Christian maybe get into the top two? They just seem to fault again and drop off and then pick up again, don't they? Well,
3: they've got more games played. They've um, filed in Kingsland. They've both got three games in hand on them. So you wondered if that and then uh, the sale of Mark Beck to Solihull uh, maybe hampers them a little bit. But, I mean, if Jacob Hazel's going to score um, kind of the goals that you would attribute to Mark Beck, they're going to be fine. Um, A bit of a surprise for me. I don't know if I'd sort of taken my finger off the pulse a little bit with how Darlington had done back end of last season, but they've been there and thereabouts all year and I can certainly see them being in that top pack come the end. Um, but I think it's still, it's in King's limb for me. Um, if they both slip up, then Darlington, Brackley maybe get in there, but I think they're going to turn out best of the rest and they've had a great season after a few years really sort of pottering around.
0: Yeah, Scarborough, good win for them. Uh, they were 1-0 away at Kidderminster. Uh, Chester, they lost at home to Spennymoor, And Charlie, they also lost at home to Southport. Charlie, one of those teams where still, they still seem to be in the playoffs. They don't seem to have had a great run recently, but they're still there, aren't they?
3: Uh, they are. I think I looked a couple of weeks ago, and National League North really was a pack of six at the top and then a mid-table pack chasing for that playoff place. But... um with Chester kind of just drifting down now, you wonder if they might be uh, reachable as well. But no, Chorley, they seem to just be clinging on. Um, Kidderminster losing yesterday as well helped them um, to Scarborough, as you mentioned. But um, yeah, Southport hadn't done much away from home and a short hop across Lancashire to Chorley seems to have uh, done the trick for them. Um, but I really think it's a t- it's a coin toss. There's so many teams... Um on between 40 and 43 points chasing that seventh spot. Um, you certainly wouldn't say Chorley are guaranteed to be to be near it, but again, they're another team that seem to be doing just enough to stay where they probably want to be at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, it's really tight around those playoff spots. Kidderminster had a couple of good results. They won three on the bounce up until that defeat against Scarborough on Saturday. So they're out of the playoffs on a goal difference at the minute. Uh, Gloucester have shot up the table as well. Steve King's side, a bit of a, a shaky run, but they beat Bradford Park Avenue by five goals to one. We'll get onto to the bottom shortly because it is very tight down there. That did have repercussions down there, but Gloucester, they've, they've sort of recovered very smartly under Steve King, haven't they? Uh,
3: they have. You wondered if the news over Christmas meant they'd be off into threefold, but um, I mean they've been very difficult to beat. Um, They've only won two of the last uh, six or seven, but they've only lost one, which is the heavy defeat at Brackley. Uh, I think that was midweek. But um, no, they came to Boston a few weeks ago and it took a late penalty to take a point off Gloucester there. And yeah, wins against Hereford and home to Bradford. They're kind of stumbling up the table, if that makes sense. Um, Not consistently winning games, but um, keep just adding those points on and no one's really in great form in that. That chasing pack. So suddenly they're, yeah, they're a point out. And another team like Chorley, Kidderminster, uh, Alfreton as well, that will come on to, that you certainly wouldn't say are, are out of it by any means.
0: You're down at the bottom, though. Kettering, I asked Dickie if he was worried about them. They slipped into the bottom four last weekend. However, in midweek, they beat your team, Boston, by three goals to two. And then an outstanding 3 0 away win at Banbury, which has shot them now up the table to 17th.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, half time on Tuesday night at Latimer Park, you just said Ketchum were be done for, um, two nil down. Um, Boston weren't great, but Ketchum were really struggling to create any chances. Um three goals in the second half, real signal for Boston, but for Ketchum, it's obviously put them in suddenly into a bit of form and yeah, they take some belief away to Banbury. Um a short journey for them and uh, a second away win of the season. Three goals in the last 20 minutes with Frankie Maguire, who was excellent um, on Tuesday night. He was probably the the spark that changed things for them against Boston. Uh, he's on loan from Sheffield United and he wrapped things up in added time after goals from Sam Bennett and Ethan Hill had established them a healthy lead.
0: In mid-table, as you mentioned, it is, it is Alfredson. Do you think they could, um, they could knock on the door of the playoffs? They beat your team Boston and that's um, meant that Boston drop into the bottom four, doesn't it? And um, first of all, look look at Alfreton, but then we'll look at, at Boston. Are, are you worried for them now?
3: I um, will start with Alfreton, so they've gone on this rhythm of uh, drawing a game, and then winning a game. They've they've done that sort of pair of results four times in a row now, and. Uh, they were leading right up until the last minute at Chester in midweek and um, got pulled back with a late equaliser. But no, Billy's Billy Heath's teams are always hard to beat and um, they're scoring a lot of goals. The front three of um, Matt Reed, who's the big target man we know he is, um, and then two players that us Pilgrims know well, uh, Jordan Thewlis and Dale Southwell, kind of picking up the pieces and um, running the channels between the centre-backs and the full-backs, and... Um, was certainly too much for Boston yesterday. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all um, with the spirit they seem to have, um, a manager that knows this level as well as anybody. Um, I could really see them having to run into the playoff places. I think for me, if you ask me now, who's going to be the one of that pack to get in, I would I would back Alfredton. They came close from nowhere last season and I think it'll be them this time around.
0: Interesting video. I saw you retweet as well on Twitter about... Jordan theolis he, he was responding to some stick from the Boston fans and all of a sudden the ball just landed at his feet and he lashed it home, didn't he? And then gave it back.
3: Uh, yeah, and he, he had every right to. And he was getting a bit of abuse, which really surprised me um, from Boston. He was a good a good servant for the club. And, and then during the COVID year was when he left. It's not as if there was kind of anything really there, but um, he's that sort of cheeky, chappy, irritating winger. Um, and yeah, he... He was just kind of milling about in the goal mouth. The long throw comes in and then suddenly it lands at his feet and he prods it home which maybe says as much about Boston's defending from restarts as it does anything else. But um, no, it was um, a penalty rebound and um, that goal from a long throw and then Thewlis in a header from a corner with about 20 minutes left that did for Boston and they're just conceding too many goals. You can't concede two, three goals every week and expect to get too many results and it's been a long time since the pilgrims got three points. Um, so you really do start to worry. Well,
0: that was my next question, actually. Are you worried? Because there's only Bradford Park Avenue that are in and around you, and also Blythe, who've played um, more games than you All played the same amount of games. Leamington have two games in hand on you, as do Farsley. Farsley played Telford on Tuesday. That's a massive game. We'll get into their result shortly. But um, you've gone from Paul Cox to Ian Culverhouse, to so two different changes of styles and, at the minute, is it a case of, I don't know, he's taken a while to implement his style on there? What are you seeing? Are you not seeing any change? Are you, and like you say, are you worried?
3: Um, I think the style, um, certainly when, when Ian came in, we had um, perhaps a kind set of fixtures. We played Buxton, Telford and Farsley and beat all of them. And you can see where they are in the league now. Um, won an FA Cup game as well. And you sort of thought, well, maybe the players that, that Paul Cox had put together were actually going to suit an Ian Culverhouse style better but um, the wheels fell off a bit in October and we had this Achilles heel of scoring goals in real quick succession at home um, which did for us again on a couple of occasions and then yeah since I think the 12th of November we beat Blythe we've won the once um, it's now nine, and, uh, nine winless sorry not nine and beaten uh, nine winless and it's it's the defence the personnel change uh, we've had Zach Mills come back fit uh, for a long injury captain Luke Shields as well um, and then Ben Pollock's been a mainstay but the left back position we've just introduced uh, Ethan Sefton from Oldchurch. so no it seems the, the personnel change but the same structural problems certainly defensively seem to be there
2: yeah um, I was just going to add a point there Christian I look at the uh, the fixtures that you've got left and I um, the the end of March for me is make or break. I don't if you're not out of the the troubles, shall we say, by April the first, then I think Boston are down. Uh, three massive games: Blythe Spartans away, Bradford Park Avenue the week after at home, and then Leamington away. Followed in between, obviously you got Hereford away, but then also a massive game against Farsi Celtic at home. Do you think if they aren't out of trouble by the time they play Farsley-Celtic at home, then they are gone? Uh, Well, I'm pleased you've noticed that
3: because um, as well as the fact we've got the case of all these teams having games to play in midweek in February and when Boston are playing just Saturdays, really, um, all of our games against the teams around us do come in that last part of the season. Uh, I mean, the last five are uh, Farsley, Curzon, Bradford, Telford and Vylde. Not possibly in that order. um. So, yeah, for sure, I think we've got a tough run coming up of teams predominantly in the top 10 or 12 while teams around us play each other and in a lot of cases play Saturday, Tuesday. So, yeah, you do worry that Boston are going to need to have enough points on the board when they start playing these teams around them and um, that those results are actually going to matter because if you don't pick up these results in the meantime, you know, you're know you not going to be within three points of a Bradford Park Avenue or a Leamington to chase them down.
2: And you say there, obviously, at the moment, Boston are only two points off Leamington, albeit having played two games more. I mean, I look at the the fixtures you've got between now and that game. You've got Darlington, Chester, Brackley, Kidderminster, Spennymoor. Do you think it's a case of if you actually don't get results in, you know, those games, then you could actually find a situation where you could virtually be down already given that you're already two points you could be even more so at that point
3: yeah I think it's a possibility I think um you know we're gonna have to be honest about that and say yes um we've got away with it in January in the sense that teams around us didn't play for those couple of weeks when we had the bad weather and then no one around us really seems to be picking up any great form but that's not going to carry on forever and if Boston don't start putting points on the board themselves, they're gonna find themselves left behind. Um, and then as you've said, the games that you're waiting for, those ones against the teams around you, they don't come until the spring. Um, so Boston are gonna to have to find a way of picking up results against teams you wouldn't expect them to to stay in the running. Uh, you're quite right.
0: Just above them is Leamington and Bradford Park. i you. who were on not great runs at the minute, and. Lemington lost at home to Blythe, who recovered from that defeat last week, which means that Blythe are within three points of Lemington now, who are just outside the relegation zone. Bradford Park Avenue—they lost five-one away at Gloucester, and Farsley had a massive win over Hereford. So, as a Boston fan, you must be looking at those results and and face palming a little bit. However, teams like Lemington. Never really struggle. Everyone tips them to be relegated. They're always comfortably mid-table. But this year is probably the first year in a while where they'll be looking over their shoulders.
3: They will, yeah, absolutely. Um, they've not been on the best run of form at all, Emington. Um, they're the opposite of Boston, really. They don't concede many goals, but they're really struggling to score them. Um, 27 league games played and it's 21 goals scored and 26 conceded. So I guess when you go 1-0 behind, even at home to... To Blythe in 23rd, um, and it was a penalty as well where they lost. I think it was Joe Clark was sent off just before half time in the penalty incident. So, yeah, the writing's maybe on the wall a little bit um, when that happens to them. And they're another one that's going in the wrong direction at the wrong time. Um, as for Bradford, they had a great run. Um, they beat Boston at home back end of November, they came from behind, and that seemed to spark a good run of form for them that pulled them way out of trouble. But they just just starting to drag themselves back back down towards this bottom four as well. Um, a lot of draws for them, but on the day where uh, all 12 games in the league had a winner, um, they were very much second best at Gloucester. Well,
0: that's a great point, actually. There was no draws in the National League. No, that's very rare across a division, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it made for big changes at each end of the table, obviously. Everyone either picking up three or none. So, yeah, a real day of... Uh, sort of teams dragging themselves in or out of trouble or playoff places and it's left everyone kind of just reassessing where they are. Chaps, we might have to do some digging
1: around because I've had this feeling for quite a few weeks now. Um, my own team have only had three or four draws all season. You know, there were lots of teams back in the day, even when we went from two points to three, and that's how old I am, um, that, that still played for a draw. And, 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 and a lot of teams sometimes think, well, you know, win your home games, get yourself a point make sure you're hard to beat away from home almost every game I'm watching now for quite a while um in the national league uh, north south as well everybody in every game's just going all out for the three points it's it's great isn't it i i think it's almost is maybe not maybe it's not a thing of the past but it's certainly not a thing
3: currently for too many teams to go out into games looking to get a draw anymore. We didn't really touch on uh, Farsley-Celtic. They picked up a 1-0 win at home to Hereford. And I think home form is going to be key for them if they're going to sort of climb their way out of trouble as well. Um, They're unbeaten at Citadel since November. Um, They won there last weekend and then lost heavily at Curzon in midweek. So they're clearly going to need to get points at home. And at the minute they are doing, Um, that relegation picture is really tightened up and for... For us at Boston and for Leamington particularly as well, that certainly isn't a good thing um, given the form we're on. But uh, I think it's been really interesting this year to have a title race in the National League North that has had three or four teams involved in it. Um, We've seen uh, clubs run away with it and we've seen often two horse races where one then falls away in April. But we've not really had this kind of four teams ducking and diving around. So I just hope that Brackley can pick themselves up again and Darlington hold the pace and we have a really exciting um, four-horse race for the, the title.
0: Yeah, the Citadel's a very intimidating name, isn't it? It's like, for anyone going there, but it is Telford v Farsley on Tuesday. That That's a, a huge game, isn't it?
3: It's huge. And there's Leamington-Buxton as well. So while uh, Boston and a couple of other teams sit at home um, out of action, obviously teams are going to pick points up. Um, There's then Bradford, Leamington and Kettering, Buxton at the weekend. So pretty much everyone other than Boston in those bottom six or seven has got another rival to play. Um, But when there's so many teams involved, it's going to be the case every weekend. There's a couple of games down there that um, pit two of those sides against each other. But no, midweek should be a good one. And um, I'm not really sure who I want to be winning those games as a Boston fan.
0: Draws. You want draw You actually do want draws, don't you? All around.
3: Yeah. Hopefully they've been saved for midweek. That would be great.
0: So we're going to look now at the National League South. And in the National League South, Joe, it is or it was the big game of the day. Absolutely taking on Haven and Waterlooville. absolute won by two goals to nil. They're now eight points clear of Dartford and they are 13 30. points. Thirteen clear of having in Waterlooville. Is it? Is it title done and dusted? They've got a game in hand as well. Is it title over? Do you think?
2: I was actually going to post this yesterday on Twitter, um, and in the end, I just said, "What do you think?" You know, National League South fans. I think we've got our champions already. Um, I know it's early. I think um, you know. I was a little bit concerned over Christmas when Ebsfleet lost those two games to Dartford and absolutely got battered off the park against Dartford, it has to be said. Um, but I think Ebbsfleet will win it now. I, I, I genuinely cannot see Ebbsfleet losing it from here, um, which obviously means they will lose it from here. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they'll lose it from here. I think, you know, big game yesterday um, and they, they got a result. I think the response since those games against Dartford will will be a, a boost. Um, you know, they're, they're the best... Uh, of those three teams at the top, they've got the most sort of financial backing, I suppose, to go and make signings and strengthen if they need to. Um, and I actually think Dartford are the sort of team that perhaps not haven't got enough to go for the title. But Alan Dawson, I don't think will be worried about that, you know, because he's got through a, a, a playoffs before, having just missed out on the title. So I think Edsfleet have are going to win it from here. Um, I'd be like to... I I hope I'm proven wrong um, because it would make for a really exciting finish, but I think Ebsfleet will win it from here.
1: It's not done. It's not done, chaps. Um, yesterday sorted out one thing, and that is that Haven't and Waterlooville are not involved. You know, they started the game 10 points behind Ebsfleet. If they'd have won, they'd have been within seven and they could have built a case with a game in hand to still be part of it. But they're now out of it, and I think that's the only thing that's sorted I think the fact that Dartford beat Ebsleet so comprehensively twice tells you about the quality of Dartford. Um, and Ebsleet, having had the poor run they've had, are capable of having another run as poor as that. So overwhelming favourites now, yes. But disagree with Joe, it's not done. And that's football, isn't it? All about opinions. I don't suppose for one minute that Dowse will say it's done. Always no it,
2: Alan Dalson definitely won't say it's done I know Alan Dalson he he, he will think that they'll still be able to blow Ebbs Fleet out of the water. The only thing I would add and I would you know perhaps put into perspective and perhaps put to Rob given that Ebbs Fleet and Dartford seem to be the only two teams that will win the division at this stage and they've already played each other. I know when Dartford, you know, missed out on the title to Torquay, they still had to play each other. If Ebbsfleet win their game in hand, they'll be 11 points clear at the top. Do you think Dartford have enough to beat Ebsfleet by 11 points within 12 games?
1: No, but I don't give... First of all, I don't give Ebsfleet the three points for their game in hand. That's not a guarantee. And there's just too many games left for me, Joe. Uh, 16 games left for Dartford, 17 for Ebbsfleet, and that's and that's fine. I, I'm not saying they're not overwhelming favourites because they are, but it's 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 not done. Um, I think if they've got a six seven point lead with three or four games to go, then it's probably done. But it's not done yet. And that's just my opinion. Um, just watch football too long to to see it. Leads bigger than that uh have gone um and it's a good healthy lead and they should and the thing
2: go. i the thing i would just add on that actually to support rob's argument is I, I don't know for certain the sort of numbers but i'm pretty sure with about ten games left Dartford was something like eight or nine points clear at the top and still finished second to Torquay. So I hope it I hope they uh don't win it, Ebbsfleet, only for the fact that if they don't win it from here, it would make for a really exciting finish to the season.
0: Dartford, as you mentioned had a Kent Derby away at Welling, and they could only draw 2-2, which obviously wouldn't have helped as well um, in their quest to chase down Ebbsfleet.
2: No, and I think it's something we've said before in that when team you know, when any of the I say before, we've said it's three teams. I think it is now two. But I think whenever one of the teams loses, they need to sort of be there to, to ride on their coattails and, and match them, or if not, better them. And I think the fact that Ebsflete won again yesterday, Dartford would have thought, you know, we really need to win. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I was just trying to do the... Uh, obviously, they Dartford played well in yesterday. I was actually trying to do the calculations on how many players in and out Welling, um, who Dartford played, have bought in this year. And we talked about Oldham and Altrincham in the National League. And I think Welling probably have the, the most players I've ever seen in and out of a, a squad. Must be near the 50 mark now. I mean, ridiculous um, number of players in and out. Uh, one of those yesterday, Alexander from from Bromley getting on the score sheet for Welling.
0: Lovely um, overhead kick as well, if you get a chance to check it out.
2: Well, you know, I, I've said before on the on the pod that I, I'm really not sure why or how Warren Feeney, you know, they've got a better budget this year, a really good budget. I mean, the amount of players they've brought in, you only need, you know, that tells you enough. The fact that they're not in, at least in and around the playoffs with a real chance of competing, I... I'm not. I'm just not sure that Warren Feeney's the right person for them. You know, I, they're actually closer to the relegation zone than the playoffs at this point. Um, and for a side that have bought in and invested as much as they have, I'm just just not sure about Welling.
0: Oxford City and Worthing, both in the playoff spots, had uh, very good wins. It's been a good week for Worthing. They won three 0 away at Dover on Tuesday. And then they went and won. They uh, actually lost on Saturday at Tombridge, but they do remain well ensconced in the playoffs. Um, Oxford City they won three one away at Hungerford, so a good a good win for Oxford City. A bit of a, a blip for Worthing, you feel, despite that win in midweek.
2: Yeah, um, and a good win for Oxford. Um, I know uh, David Braman that signed for Hungerford uh, from Crawley. Uh, on the weekend, he got a goal, the, the only opening goal of the game for Hungerford before Oxford City came back to win the game. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, Adam um, you know, Worthing manager, he said in the week, although they won, they need to, you know, keep it realistic. It's their first season in the National League South and a long way to go. They're not getting carried away. And it just showed on the weekend, you know, they took the lead, but went on to lose 2-1. Um, And, you know, a good result for Tombridge Angels, who, you know, are down, or sorry, they're on uh, the edge of the playoffs, uh, you know, four points off Chelmsford now. Um, And that will be a really good uh, result for them. So, yeah, a good win for Tombridge and a good win for Oxford City. The one thing I would add is Hungerford. um, They sit right at the foot of the table. They've played a, a game more than Hampton. Um, in 20th and they're already seven points behind them um, it looks like it would take a bit of a bit of a stark turnaround now for, for Hungerford to stay in the
0: National League South Chelmsford are a team who dropped out of the uh, dropped out of the playoff places could only draw 1-1 at Hungerford in midweek they had two players red carded in that Dave Winfield was one of those a straight red and Henry Osheng he also got a straight red and then they lost 2-0 at home to Bath. And it feels like the wheels have come off a little bit for Robbie Simpson's side. Uh,
2: yeah, um, they've certainly struggled of late. Um, I know Rob will have a bit more of a foot in the Chelmsford camp than than I will, um, given Dave Winfield uh, being at Chelmsford. But uh, yeah, they have slackened off a little bit. Um, but, you know, if you'd have offered them this, point, this position at this point of the season... Uh, you know, given that they have to perhaps don't have the biggest of budgets and they have to be more, I say, fr- uh, frivolous in the way that they sign players. And um, I think they would have taken it for Bath. Um, you know, they've struggled um, pretty much ever since Alex Fletcher had that injury um, uh, against Dulwich. Obviously, I wish him the best, but a-, a good win on the road for them, given that they've also faltered of late. But. Um, I'm not too concerned about Chelmsford. I think they'll be in and around the playoffs come the end of the season. They're doing a really good job under Robbie Simpson, a manager that I, I have a lot of time for. Um, I've spoken to him before on my blog and um, he's a really, really good guy and he's doing a fantastic job there.
1: Goals have dried up though, haven't they, lately for Chelmsford? And That's been the problem. They were nicking a lot of games 1-0 and I remember when we were doing that a couple of seasons ago, We said it's all very well and good until the goal doesn't go in. And then you're drawing 0-0 and losing games 1 and 2-0. So it's a sticky run for them. But the best thing for Chelmsford is the fact that they still are in that uh, final playoff uh, position.
2: And the thing I would add on that is that, funny enough, I think if you'd have asked Chelmsford fans a couple of weeks ago um, about you know their prospects for the rest of the season, the fact that they lost um, a goalkeeper in Ovi Agera that had had a really good first half of the season on loan from Arsenal, who was probably the best goalkeeper in the whole division. Um, the fact that they lost him recalled by Arsenal. I think Chelmsford fans would have said, we're probably going to miss out on the playoffs because our defensive record may go because we've lost a player like him. But in actual fact, it's struggles at the other end of the pitch, which uh, could undo them.
0: Branche, you're in a good position there, just outside the playoffs. He did miss the chance to... Uh, go in the playoffs in midweek. They only, could only draw one-one at home to Chesham, but then they won two-one away at Chippenham We'll get on to Chippenham very shortly. But Braintree, another team, he could gate crash the playoffs, couldn't he?
2: Yeah, and they're doing a really, really good job this season. Um, you know, they're they're in and around the playoffs, and uh, that would have been a, a a tough trip on the road uh, against Chippenham Not not the easiest of places to go, even despite where Chippenham are in the table, and uh, a good win for them. Uh, Double, um, from Boachi uh, yesterday, so uh, a good win for them on the road. As for Chippenham, uh, one of their new signings, Windsor, uh, Owen Windsor's uh, got a goal for them late on to reduce the deficit, um, but it looks like it's a, a tough um, end to the season for them. Obviously, they bought in Windsor, having lost Jordan Young recently, one of their strikers to Yeovil Town. Uh, linked up with Mark Cooper having been together at Swindon Town so their sort of main source of goals they've lost going into the second half of the season so um, disappointing for them yesterday you know we've said so many teams um, that are down near the bottom it's going to be that home form that keeps them up um, so uh, disappointing for them that they weren't able to get something yesterday.
0: Got to say hats off as well to Taunton and Weymouth, Joe. Six points for them over the past week. Taunton beat Haven and Waterlooville by two goals to nil. There must have been something in the water in the National League South because it was two straight reds for Haven and Waterlooville in that game as well. Weymouth beat Hampton and Richmond Borough by two goals to one. And then Weymouth beat Dulwich Hamlet by two goals to one on Saturday. And Taunton won 3-0 away at Eastbourne. That was a great result. And they've got loads of games in hand as well.
2: Yeah, and Taunton are doing fan, you know, they're they're doing really well. First season back in the National League South, you know, I've sung the praises of Rob Dre on the podcast before. He's doing a fantastic job for them. Um, it's been their home form really that has seen them sort of get into this position. Um, you know, you talked about that two nil win against Haven, even if it was against nine men in the week, and to follow it up on the road with a a three nil win against a team in Eastbourne who are pretty good. You know, they're pretty good under Danny Bleu, Um, You know, so um, it's on the outskirts of the playoffs. So a good win for them and a really good week for Taunton. Um, as for Weymouth, I'm, I'm pleased to see that Weymouth are, you know, sort of getting themselves out of trouble. Uh, really good manager under Bobby Wilkinson. Dulwich, I mean, you know, at this point, we might as well just write Dulwich off. We keep saying... Um, We keep saying that Dulwich are going to turn it around and find a result and, you know, the squad that they've got, they're going to get in there. But, you know, Dulwich just can't seem to get it together for whatever reason. You know, they've got a good squad on paper. I know it doesn't obviously translate onto the pitch, but, um, yeah, a good win for Weymouth. You know, again, we talked about it. Home form is going to be key and uh, a really good win for Weymouth on home soil yesterday.
1: Just to add a, a little point on that, Weymouth, Bobby Wilkinson, I tip my hat to you. He's getting a tune out of that. Akeem Rose, isn't he? He's never been prolific, but he's smashing goals in for fun week in week out. At the minute, massive day for Weymouth. The only one in the bottom five or six to win on uh, Saturday, and and that really lifts them up towards the pack a little bit more now, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, well done to Weymouth. And uh, and 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 before I've I've got to leave you guys. Um, just another really good one-nil away win for Farmer as well, and Mason Bloomfield again getting the goal, and and that's really covered for the loss of Hassim. Oh, what's his name? Casimu. Casimu. Yeah, that's the one. Um, you know, they've, they've they've really you know they've lost a really good striker there, but Mason Bloomfield has got the winner in two one-nil wins, and we keep saying they're doing really well, Farmer. They've lost once in four months. They're still well off those playoffs, not in places, but in points, eight or nine points off. But they're gradually closing it and uh, they're having a decent first season at this level or back and at this th-
2: The thing I would add on that, Rob, um, before you go, is that uh, you say Farnborough are well placed, nine points outside the playoffs. Chelmsford got that last spot. Farnborough have actually got four games in hand on Chelmsford. So uh, certainly still achievable for them a, a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, because of their FA Cup run. Good point, Joe.
0: Cheers, Rob. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Joe Weymouth, they are uh, they looked dead and buried a few weeks ago, but they're, they're giving themselves a chance now, aren't they? They're only a point off getting out of the relegation zone.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they brought in an experienced manager, and Bobby Wilkinson. They've brought in a couple of players. And, you know, their, their squad wasn't poor on paper. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the strongest. But Bobby Wilkinson, he's come in there and he's, you know, we've talked about Akeem Rose, two goals on the weekend, and he's looked at him and thought, you know, I can get a tune out of him. You know, there's something there that I can work with. And, um, you know, they're, they're picking up some results slowly but surely. And, um, you know, they're in the mix. And, uh, you know, if they can keep that going, a couple of home wins here and there and, you know, get the odd point, then I think if there's any team down there that I think will get out of it, it is Weymouth. Um, you know, they've got a couple of really good players in their side uh, that I really rate. Akim Rose being one of them, and, and Bradley Ash as well at the top end of the pitch that uh, can get a couple of goals here and there. And if if there is one team that will stay up down there, then I think it will be them.
0: Chippenham are in the relegation zone, albeit they've got three games in hand. As we mentioned, they they fell to defeat at home. Interesting signing. they signed Matt McClure from near-neighbours Gloucester, so he swapped the north for the south and Christian it didn't affect Gloucester so much but he's a, been a prolific goal scorer at the National League North level for a couple of seasons now and he'll be a good asset to Chippenham would not
3: he? Uh, he will yeah He, him and uh, Mark Beck seem destined to have a bit of a tussle for the golden boot in the north this season and now both of uh, off to pastures new Beck at Solihull and, and McClure moving down to the National League South but um no, you did worry for Gloucester, and um, he left them at a time when there was uncertainty about the ownership of the club. And um, he obviously got a a deal that gave him more security. But um, yeah, Gloucester seems to be getting on okay without him, and um, Chippenham obviously need need goals from somewhere, and he's as good a place as any to try and find them.
0: It was a draw between Chesson and Hemel Hempstead. that was nil-nil. It was also a draw between Slough and Dover. It's Scott Davis called it the worst performance since he'd taken over as manager. And he said, I include myself in that. I was rubbish. So there we go. Uh, that finished a draw. Uh, Joe, anything else caught your eye in the South?
2: Um, no, I think you've wrapped it up well. The only thing there is uh, sort of water is wet and uh, another week and another goal for for Sean Jeffers. Um, he looks like he's going to get the golden boot again. Another fantastic for se- season for him at St Albans. Another goal for them as they 1-2-1 against Hampton and Richmond, who are, I believe, under new new management and uh, quite a lot of change off the field. Um, I know Tom, um, who comes on the podcast, uh, the odds t- here and there, and uh, he'll be able to perhaps fill us in a bit more closely, but a lot of change off the field for Hampstead. Quite a lot of departures, both players and uh, and staff at Hampton, but uh, a good win for, for St Albans.
0: Well, just before we go, Christian, some breaking news from Hereford.
3: Uh, yes, Hereford have put out a statement saying that manager uh, Josh Gowling's left the club by mutual consent uh, with assistant manager uh, Jan Krakowski to take charge on the interim basis. Um, and he says they're looking to appoint a new manager as soon as possible. So they're obviously not looking for uh, Klikovsky to be in charge for too many games, but um, not necessarily what I was expecting. Um, started the year with a point at Agra, which I'm sure um, they maybe wanted a little bit more out of, looking at Kidderminster's home form. Um, they then beat Scarborough and Farsley on home soil. Um, but last few weeks, they've, they've struggled. They lost at Gloucester. Uh, home to Banbury, and then this week, the pair of 1 0 defeats has spelt the end for, for Josh Gowling. I just wonder if Hereford feel like they need to try something new to push towards the playoff places. Um, Since they've been in the National League, they've very much been a, a lower middle table side, and I'm sure they had hopes of pushing through this level as they did at uh, the two or three before when they reformed. So we'll see what impact that has on them. But um, there's a good manager there available for somebody, and um, I doubt it'll be too long before he starts finding he's got some offers from other clubs at this level.
2: Christian, I'm, I'm just going to quickly throw one name at you, um, who, looking at it, uh, doesn't seem to be anywhere, who has managed at this level a lot recently and uh, only just recently out of work. Do you think that perhaps could be a job for for Steve Watson? Um, obviously, he's managed at Gateshead and York and and most recently Chester. Do you think that could be a good fit? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Certainly,
3: if you're looking for a name um, that's got experience at the level, um, which I think we all agree is very important, um, and someone that's, that's used to winning games in the National League North, I think you could do a lot worse than Watson, for sure. Um, I'm not sure where he's based. I know his most recent club was Chester, I believe. So, um, yeah, I think if it was him, it'd be a good a good fit. Um, we'll just have to see what comes, but looking at this statement, they're obviously keen to find someone quickly. So you'd assume it might be someone that's currently out of work.
0: Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you. Nice to be back on. Um, Disappointed not to talk about a talky win, but nice to be back
0: on. Remind us where we can find your blog.
2: Yeah, Off The Line blog on Twitter. Um, We put out enough content, so I'm sure you'll get one of our pieces. But
0: uh, yeah, Off The Line blog on Twitter. And uh, Christian, thanks for joining us. and, And what's your Twitter handle?
3: Uh, I'm at Boston United stats uh, Boston UTD stats I should say um, it's not just Boston I've diversified um, some more sort of National League North stuff on there as well but um, yeah hopefully something for everyone and I've really enjoyed it
0: that is it give us a follow on Twitter at NL full time it's the same on Instagram and subscribe as well to us to get your podcast uploaded every week thank you for staying with us it's been a bumper one but a very enjoyable one and we'll see you all very soon